that how we that's how we anyway um welcome back to 15 minute medicine it's been a really long time since we've spoken to you guys we've been very very busy before so what have you been up to recently yeah man i was actually at home for a bit um i was in Joburg doing my elective in neurosurgery at barra how'd you find that well you know let's just say it was the barra olympics but uh i had a really good time there um we'll see what how it goes what have you been up to bro yeah, I was not having a good time. I've been fighting with internal medicine. It's quite funny that I'm trying to make a podcast. I'm not even sure if I'm going to pass. But hey, like we're trying to help each other out. And that's why we're back again making another episode. Today we have, today and the next few um, weeks, we have quite a few things lined up for everyone. So stay tuned and hopefully you like this episode that we're dealing with today. So today's episode, we're going to be speaking about appendicitis. And as always, we're going to start off with an approach. So we're going to have an approach to the acute abdomen. So just to simplify things a bit, we can break it down into gastrointestinal causes, vascular causes, gynecological causes, genitourinary causes. And for all you people out there who love internal medicine or are medically inclined, we also have a category for non-surgical causes of an acute abdomen. But we're not going to spend too much time on that because we're surgeons for today. So starting with gastrointestinal causes, with an anatomical approach, if we take the upper GI, and for this purpose we're just going to refer to the upper GI as the stomach and duodenum, we have a perforation of a gastric or duodenal ulcer that can cause an acute abdomen. Then moving further along, in that area you have the biliary tract. So anything that it can be a complication of cholelithiasis, such as cholecystitis, cholodocolithiasis, or even ascending cholangitis can cause severe abdominal pain. Situated behind the stomach, you have the pancreas, so in the case of acute or chronic pancreatitis. Then moving further along into your duodenum and jejunum. So most of the time, pain caused in this area is usually due to bowel obstruction, so either due to adhesions or hernia or malignancy, which is not really common in the small intestine, intersusception and ischemia. Then moving on to the large intestine, our big little friend, the appendix, so acute appendicitis, diverticulitis, ischemia, as well as ulcerative colitis. And that's as far as we can go for gastrointestinal causes. It's not a comprehensive approach or a list, but it covers most of the common conditions that we encounter. Moving on to vascular causes, so one must always think about a ruptured abdominal aortic aneurysm or an aortic dissection. And this was alluded to earlier, but mesenteric ischemia should always be in the back of one's mind. If your patient is female, one should also consider gynecological conditions, starting off with your ovary, so a cyst accident, so a ruptured ovarian cyst, or hemorrhage in your ovarian cyst, or ovarian cyst torsion. Moving on to your fallopian tube, you can have an ectopic pregnancy, acute salpingitis, or PID, as well as pyosalpings. And with your uterus, it can either be a miscarriage, uterine rupture, or endometritis. And now moving on to your genitourinary conditions. So one could have acute pyelonephritis, ureteric obstruction due to stones within the ureters, epididymal orchitis, testicular torsion, and a renal tract malignancy. For all the budding physicians out there, here are the non-surgical causes. So with regards to cardiac, you, have, you can have an MI or pericarditis pulmonary disease, pneumonia or pulmonary infarction or pulmonary embolism, remember our episode last week, 
gastrointestinal gastroenteritis or hepatitis. With endocrine, you can have a DKA as well as acute adrenal insufficiency. Metabolic acute porphyria should always be in the back of your mind, especially in South Africa. Musculoskeletal, you can have a rectus muscle in hematoma or just a muscle strain. The essential peripheral nervous system, nerve root compression can cause abdominal pain. Genitourinary, th- some things were mentioned earlier like pyonephritis or acute salpingitis. And then with hematological conditions, one should also think about sickle cell crisis. So let's give you guys a case. So we have Johnny Bravo. The 29-year-old male, who was previously well, and he presented with a six-day history of generalized abdominal pain, fever and rigors, as well as anorexia. He also had some mild nausea and vomiting. This pain was described as quite vague, recently became quite sharp and localized to his right lower abdomen. He had no relevant medical or surgical history, does not consume alcohol, and only has a two-pack year history of smoking. On examination, he had a fever of 39.4 degrees. He was guarding, had rebound tenderness, particularly in his right iliac fossa, and his abdomen was rigid. The rest of his systemic examination was otherwise normal. Of note on some basic blood investigations, he had a white cell count of 15, and blood culture was positive for E. coli. Based on these findings, he was immediately booked for theatre. So, Fawcett, you've given us a lot to think about in this case. What do you think are the main points that we need to be cognizant of? The first key point that one needs to take note of is that he presented with a classic triad of acute appendicitis, namely that he presented with vague abdominal pain that localized to the right iliac fossa, GIT upset which manifested itself as anorexia and nausea and vomiting, as well as signs of inflammatory or infective process such as a raised white cell count. What one also needs to take note of is that he had signs of an acute abdomen on examination. When a patient presents with an acute abdomen, most of the time, after the exclusion of acute pancreatitis, this patient needs to be booked for theater. There needs to be no beating around the bush, sending for CT, all kinds of funny things. As always, we also have some epidemiology for you. So first, we know that appendicitis is the most common surgical emergency of the abdomen. It presents typically in the second and third decade of life, and it's also more common in males. What's also important to know is that it has, it's associated with a poor outcome in rural populations. And this is for two reasons. One, being because there's difficulty in accessing the healthcare system. And two, because there's a delay in transferring patients to the relevant level of care. If you're dealing with appendicitis, we actually need to know what the appendix is. The appendix is a small, pouch-like sac of tissue located in the first part of the colon. It has lymphatic tissue and aids in immune function. It's been known to be a remnant of the evolutionary past and as a storehouse for good bacteria, but the exact function is unknown. According to Scientific American, in early years, the appendix functions as a lymphoid organ, which assists with maturation of B lymphocytes and the production of IgA antibodies. All right, Farai, that's enough now. You always do this. You're always going off on tangents, extra information that we don't need. Let's bring it back to pathophysiology. My last word on that is that the appendix is supplied by the appendicular <laughs> artery, which is a terminal <laughs> branch of the superior mesenteric artery. Cool, I'm done. Let's talk about the, sure. pa- the pathophysiology. So the most important factor in the pathophysiology of appendicitis is obstruction of the lumen. 
Obstruction of the lumen can be by fecalis, calculi, lymphoid hyperplasia, or tumors. This then leads to intramural or luminal pressure increases, which will then result in thrombosis and occlusion of small vessels in the wall and stasis of lymphatic flow. This will then stimulate the T8 to T10, it's a tongue twister, nerve fibers, which will produce a vague central umbilical pain. Later, you will then get a specific pain, which is localized to your right iliac fossa, and this is because there's inflammation of the adjacent parietal peritoneum. With significant inflammation and necrosis, there will then be perforation, and you can get local abscess formation or diffuse peritonitis. Just to add one small thing to what Farai just said, due to all the congestion and edema within the wall of the appendix, this allows for bacterial translocation, and this is what starts the process of inflammation and necrosis. So Farai, how would a patient with acute appendicitis typically present? So there are key clinical features that you look for, and these include right iliac fossa pain, anorexia, and nausea and vomiting. In terms of looking for an order in which these symptoms present, you're first going to get periumbilical pain, then you'll get the right iliac fossa pain, which is then followed by nausea and vomiting, and then a fever. When you test your blood, now you're going to see leukocytosis. When you do an examination, clinical signs that are present include localized tenderness, rebound tenderness, and guarding. These signs of generalized peritonitis normally take place when perforation has occurred. A large part of the differential diagnosis was already covered earlier when we described an approach, but here's just a brief differential just to keep in the back of your mind. One can break it down into urinary tract conditions, gastrointestinal conditions, and if your patient is female, one can also think about gynecological conditions. So under urinary tract conditions, one can have a urinary tract infection or renal calculi. Under gastrointestinal conditions, cholecystitis, diverticulitis, or a small bowel obstruction should be considered. And under gynecological conditions, as mentioned earlier, a cyst accident such as rupture or hemorrhage or torsion, mid-cycle pain, and pelvic inflammatory disease. Special investigations will usually start with a full blood count, specifically looking for a raised white cell count. And then we mention in our differential the possibility of a urinary tract infection or renal calculi. So a good investigation to do would be a simple bedside test, such as a urine dipstick, which would give you a lot of information. One should also do a pregnancy test. Why would you do a pregnancy test in this circumstance? I don't know if you were listening, but I mentioned earlier in our approach that one could also possibly have an ectopic pregnancy. So a pregnancy test would help exclude this. Okay, that makes sense. The use of imaging investigations to diagnose acute appendicitis is usually limited to when there is diagnostic doubt. This is because acute appendicitis is largely a clinical diagnosis. The imaging options include abdominal ultrasound, abdominal x-ray, and CT abdomen. Abdominal x-ray is largely nonspecific and is usually not indicated. Abdominal ultrasound can be very useful in diagnosing gynecological conditions, and suggestive features of acute appendicitis include a thickened wall greater than 2 mm, a larger diameter of the appendix greater than 6 mm, as well as the presence of free fluid. Features on CT abdomen include, again, a thick wall of greater than 2 mm, increased diameter of the appendix greater than 7 mm, the presence of a, just give me a moment, appendicolith, 
presence of a phlegmon, abscess, or free fluid. So in terms of the management, these patients need hospital admission. They've been vomiting a lot, so they also require IV fluids. Next important thing to remember is that they're in a lot of pain, so analgesia is definitely needed. Opiates will be used, and it's important to note that this will not mask peritonism. And while waiting for surgery, you can give IV antibiotics. The definite treatment when it comes to appendicitis is an appendicectomy. If not, you can do active observations. Farah, just to add on a little point, um, there has been some literature going around that one can actually treat acute appendicitis conservatively with IV antibiotics, but this is only in patients who do not have overt peritonitis. This is true, but however, this is ongoing research, and I think for now we should just stick with the appendicectomy as the definite treatment. There are two different ways of doing the appendicectomy, and this can be open or laparoscopic. Laparoscopic techniques are preferred because there's less post-operative pain, there's a shorter hospital duration, and there's decreased wound infection. However, there's increased operating time, the operation is more expensive, and there's increased incidence of intra-abdominal collections. The last thing to note is that if a normal appendix is encountered during operation, you need to remove this to avoid future confusion when an abdominal surgery is performed. Just one last thing. When it comes to diagnosing acute appendicitis, there are a few special populations that one needs to think about because they don't usually present in a typical way. This is the very, very young, which is usually confused for gastro, the very old, which the onset is quite insidious, the pregnant, because it's displaced by the uterus, and these patients usually have a high rate of morbidity and mortality. So always be careful in these patients. Okay, that wraps it up. That's about 15 minutes. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that you guys really enjoyed this. Please give us feedback on Facebook, Instagram, wherever you can. And also don't forget to follow our page. Tell people about it as well. Uh, just also a side note. Um, this episode or any other episode that we produce should not be used as a substitute for consulting a, a medical professional. We're not going to go to court. That was us making medicine as simple as possible, but not simpler than that. <laughs>